Okay, so I want to ask you, you know, um, much of your recent work speaks to issues of social reform and addresses systemic racism and other injustices. Do you feel that at this crucial time in history that artists have a responsibility to address social issues? And if so, do you feel you can use it to bring about a, you know, use it as a catalyst to bring about positive change? Yes. I think so. I think it's very crucial right now. When you have a when you have a country that's supposed to be the beacon of light for the world, and I think that even all over the world, you see artwork by artists that, you know, are going through great turmoil and their work that speaks truth to power. It's important. And um, you know, and, and, and before I mean I, not to cut you off, but like I think about like, you know, like I know you're familiar with the piece of uh, Gernicus by mm-hmm. who's, hit me up, what's the artist's name that, that was Picasso, right? Gernica, uh I think that was done after was that World War One or World War Two? It, 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 it um, called attention to the you know the atrocities of war. Yes. So yes, so, so we so you know. Well, like, I think I think through every genre, not just painting. Because you look at Billie Holiday and her song Strange Fruit. Yes. And when they put the film out, which I knew that, you know, a lot of, even Eartha Kitt, who's from here, Josephine Baker, when when there were political things and things happening to African Americans and people were marching and making a statement, they tried to use their position of power, which with the little power they had in celebrity to bring attention to those things because they were like, well, we're just not an entertainer, right? We're not just here to show beauty because, you know, the world isn't perfect. So if, you, if you're in a position to create something, whether it's music, whether it's dance, whether it's art, whether it's film, and it brings, and it's a story that also can bring you know, some enlightenment. I think it's part of you being chosen as an artist through God in every art form to create something that that hits home. So there was a piece that I did and I had no idea it was going to get all this recognition here in South Carolina. But it was a story that while I was doing work about my family history, because I'm one of the few people, probably African-Americans that can trace on my mother's side um, here in South Carolina back to the 1700s, okay? Wow. And those oral stories and traditions rocked my world since I was young. So what I decided to do while I was here in South Carolina was to take those stories and, 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 and do and enhance them with more interviews for my family to create a visual story of the oral history through paintings and installations, yada, yada, yada. So going back to what I was trying to say earlier is that my aunt sent me this story about this boy, and he's the youngest. It was an African-American boy, 1944, George Stinney. You guys may know the story. If not, you should yes. look it up. Yes, very exciting. And he was the first, yeah, small for his size, 14, but he looked like more like a nine-year-old, okay? He was very, I think he was 80 pounds or 90 pounds soaking wet. And um, he was accused of killing these two young white girls. Um, and it was an innocent, it was an innocence uh, in the story, right? Um, they were looking for flowers and they ended up crossing what, what, what we would say the wrong side of the tracks, okay? to ask him and his little sister who was even younger 
where these particular flowers were. I think they were called maypops. They're like southern flowers that grow everywhere. And they ended up dead, found in a trench, their bicycles. And to me, just reading the story before, just no way he could have done it. I mean, it was like he's, he was too small to... Uh, two kids, somebody would have ran, somebody, you know, and somebody would have seen it. It had to be, and and it wasn't even that near to where the boy lived. But when you read the story, he was executed. He's the youngest to ever be um, executed in America via electric chair. It was so inhumane. It was just just the heart. It struck me so to my core because I have a young son. And I thought about my son and the innocence of them in that time. And things were a lot simpler back then than they are now. You know, for me, you know, the whole phones and all this access to worldly stuff, there's some good, but there's a lot of poison in it. You know, things that we weren't allowed to see, talk about, you know what I mean? Or even realize, you know, it's right here, 24 hour access. So. The piece was done, and I redid a installation dedicated to him in that story. And it was called Rockabye Baby, and I found this rocking chair. I'd been wanting to do it, but when I found the rocking chair, this busted up rocking chair at a yard sale, I said, that's it. It All of a sudden, the inspiration came. So I recreated this piece for a group, group exhibition that took place in Florence. And um, it was a mock electric chair but it was an installation it basically told the story of what happened to this young man and it's part of my why there no black angel series and a lot of people didn't even know the story so even with all the paintings since i had five pieces in that show and it was probably 20 some people were drawn to it and they wanted to know what what it was right right and um the family found out about it and some of his first cousins who were like probably 80s 90 years old they all started coming because they put it on the news and I had no idea and they reached out to me they were so happy and thankful that I was able to recreate something so powerful about this story because you know people a lot of people know about it a lot of people don't know about it and if we are not the gatekeepers of our history then who Who's going to tell those stories? And that's true because we're, we're, we're in a crucial time now where, you know, with the legislation going on, like uh, Ron DeSantis, for example, uh, oh my God. trying to, try, trying to erase uh, critical race theory because, like, what, 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 the reason they're trying to erase that stuff is because, <laughs> because uh, when, when you examine that, there's a degree of accountability and also a degree of shame. Yes. That's right. And and the thing is, is that, you know, the lady who curated it, who wasn't a black woman, she said every time she went past that piece, she got goosebumps. She said it's so powerful. And she said she's had people cry and walk out that didn't know they wanted to know and didn't know the story. Why? Because of people like Aranda Santos. Our stories are not important. No, because they, you know, because if they had their way. Excuse me. I'm and, they, and, and like mm-hmm. he said, there's no value. Well, we have yeah. to make sure that there's value, and people need to rise up. And I think every African American in the country needs to march down to Florida with a whole bunch of signs of African American uh, contributions, not just the struggles, but the contributions. Right. We've done so much. I mean, if you think about the the country being built, 
this country would not be anywhere near what it is without black people. We were the labor. We were the driving force. We were the economic force for yes. the country. So that means we did everything. So and, and the thing, and, and excuse me, the, the, the thing about, like I said, like, like this being this, this this Black History Month, and um, yeah. one of the things you know, like I wanted to point out, you know, like I, I just did, I did I just did a podcast uh, last night about Black History Month, which, which will be released yeah. the same, but, but right before yours. Um, I talk, one of the points I want to make is, you know, like, you know, um, black history is up to us to uh, tell that as far, as far as, like, to our kids and stuff. Because, like, really, and totally, if you think about, about the American history that's taught in our schools, uh-huh. they, can't, they can't even get their own history right. Like I say, like that ridiculous story about Columbus discovering America. How in the hell do you discover something when you got, when you got people already living there with their own system of uh, government, you know, however crude they may appear to you? They already had their own system, right. system of governing rules and stuff. So if they can't get their own history right, I, I wouldn't trust them to tell my kids a damn thing about about black history. But at the same time... And it was a black man who navigated the boat for Christopher Columbus. Yes, Pedro, Pedro Alonso, not Nino, Nino, I think was his name. Yeah, um, oh my God, it slips me. You know, I'm, like I told you, old age. Uh, uh, thank but you. It's, yeah, he, he, he navigated the ship. And he did horrible atrocities to the indigenous people in the Caribbean and in the Americas. So, you know, to put him up on a platform is just like putting, you know, all these Confederates, you know, up. Um, it, it's, it's disgusting. And there's so many of our stories that are powerful that, you know, our white brothers and sisters um, don't know about. And they've been hoodwinked and bamboozled, and it's so sad because, you know, I've I've seen people doing just history, like the cowboy. Like I have a friend, she she loves, she rides. She's from Brazil. She loves to ride. You know, her husband they have horses, and she was just like telling me, oh, I didn't know it was black cowboy. You know, because she met somebody who rides, and they're black. And I'm like, blacks were the cowboys. Yes. She has no idea that the history of cowboys, they were black people, that the whole thing that you see on film is a farce, that the first cowboys were black. Like much of that stuff you see with the rodeo, that, 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 was, that, was, that was black people. That, That's that was, right. That was black ingenuity at work. But, you know, you know yes. if, you, if, you leave, if you leave it to them, to, 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 to some of them to tell the story, as, as far as yes. history, if, if, they, if they had their way, people like Ron DeSantis... The, the only thing they, they would say about black, the, our, our role in, in, in the shaping of America, the building of America, would be reduced to probably a couple of paragraphs, maybe. It'd be, be, yeah. we, 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 we came here and picked cotton. The only thing we've been, we were over 40 years, we do a damn thing to pick cotton. Yes, and the thing is that's sad about that is that we did so much. And you can look like after, like during Reconstruction and even after Reconstruction, all of the black cities that and 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 people in government and um, the inventors and the scientists and the doctors and the things that people were doing in the 1800s, the stuff that we were doing weren't being recognized. The things right. that we created weren't being patented because white people had money for patents. So a lot of times they took took ideas and created patterns and they get 
you know, a, a recognition for yes. those things. Yes. And the thing is, is that when you've been told over and over again that this is the way it was, then you really think that this is the way it was. Yes. And um, the creation of the red light. I mean, I, it, it, the, even the car. People think Ward was the person. No, no, it's a guy named Patterson, a black man who just, just, just created the first car. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, and Ford worked with him and got the idea to improve it. Right. Okay. So the thing that's sad is when you look at a place and, and you start a country saying that these people are not even uh, three fifths of a person. You know, and right. the problem what has happened is that when we continue to have pride in ourselves and work hard through education and not education, you know, just creating, doing, having businesses, we became a threat to their existence. And so um, I cannot think of the name of the daughters that the women's group that that basically had the Klan go through and destroy all of the black Wall Streets all over the country. You tell my daughters of the American Revolution, perhaps? Yeah, uh, that's it. That's them. They were like, what they wanted to put in their books, they wanted to forget about how the country was built and our contributions. They were like, well, do you want to be run by these black people? And it was propaganda that went out. You have all the minstrel shows and then we're going to devalue and humiliate black people and we're going to burn their businesses and we're going to do everything we can to take things away from them. And what we're going to do is say that, hey, you know, here are the people who come out of slavery and the plantation owners were nice to them. And, you know, that's it. Yeah. And that's Ron DeSantis. That's his that's his view. He said that our contribution, African-American history, which is the true American history, has no value. So as artists and as an artist, you know, it it. I love doing pretty. I love doing designs. You know, I have a series where I work, you know, with recyclable things. And and that was from walking my dog and just picking up trash, bottle tops and plastics and stuff. And I'm just like, hmm, these interesting shapes and colors. Maybe I can do something. And after about two or three years or so of collecting, I started really thinking that, well, maybe this will be fun, a different way of creating, you know. And, um, you take something that doesn't have value and you make it valuable. Yes. Right? Yes. So you take something that somebody wants to throw away and you are in charge of bringing value to that because it does have value. Yes. You have to recreate that. So if you don't want to read it in a book, you're going to walk into an art gallery and maybe you see a whole sh- bunch of artwork that tells this, our story and it's a visual connection. Maybe you're a film person. You know, Spike Lee is great with that. Look at that last piece he did. The the KK... uh, The Black Klansman. Black Klansman. Amazing how he ties a real story to what's happening right now, what happened in Charlottesville. Wonderful story. That's how you capture. And if you're intrigued by the truth, you will seek the truth. Uh, that's the problem. That's the that's the problem. This country, this country has largely been built upon lies and and, and, and deception. And he doesn't. And he does not want to go there. Right. He doesn't see that. You know. Let me tell you something. Jews ain't gonna have nothing to do with 
with you forgetting about their history, you're going to learn about the Holocaust. When yes. We had a Holocaust, it was called slavery. Right. There's a plantation. And, and also, and also, don't forget about the, 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 the Middle Passage. That was our Holocaust. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the way. All the way. Three, three, four hundred years. Yes. And the thing that's interesting about um, our history, there's a, a white gentleman, okay? Uh, Cummings is his last name. He purchased and put $8 million into telling the stories. It's a plantation. If anybody's listening to this podcast, you get to go to Louisiana. It's on the river roads called the Whitney. And it's completely dedicated to what happened to the slaves there, their role, what they contributed, and their oppression. Because he said he was so, you know, blinded by the beauty of the plantation and the big oak trees and the Spanish moss and the white columns and the antebellum stuff. And here it is, this beautiful flowers and gardens. And, and behind that, and he said it was concentration camps for black people. Wow. So behind the facade of all this beauty, and that's exactly what Ron DeSantis represents to me. Now, I don't know what he represents to anybody, but when I hear him talking about woke, look, stay woke. You, you can sleep when you die. Okay, he wants to be sleepy time. Let him be sleepy time. Yeah, they don't we understand that term. That's the that's that's, that's part not, of the problem. It's not a negative thing. It should empower everybody. When woke is not woke, woke is not necessarily a black thing either. Woke is like like I said, woke is woke is, is everybody should be woke now. We, we should be should be woke now because uh, it's the crucial time. It's crucial time in history for everybody now. Not it's not just not just for black people. Maybe more so for us, but not it's crucial time for everybody now. Let me tell you the power of. The struggle is that there was a struggle before us. I would never. I met a man in New Orleans when I worked at an art gallery, and I was a manager. And he came in, and this is in the heart of apartheid, South Africa. And he had an accent, and I wasn't sure if he was Australian, Dutch, you know, uh, British, you know, Ireland. I was just like, okay, where is he from? You know, I couldn't figure it out, but I was doing my job, right? Mm -hmm. And he was saying how excited he was to be in the United States and that he was going to be going to Broadway, going to New York to see some plays. And he's here and he's listening to all this wonderful jazz music and all this stuff that he loved. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, he said, yeah, because we 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 can't get this where I'm from. And I was like, oh, OK, now I've been talking to this man for about 20, 30 minutes. He was purchasing something. And of course, he's a customer. And you have, you know, with respect. And then he told me that he was from South Africa. And my heart fell to the floor. Um, was this during apartheid? This was during apartheid. So we're talking about the 80s, right? And, and he goes, oh, and so, of course, him being a white South African, he went to trying to make excuses and being kind. He was being kind, and he was like, well, you know, it's not as bad. And, you know, he was trying to, because, you know, talking to someone white. Trying to minimize it. justify it to somebody of color like myself. Right. And, you know, I was very nice to him, and I said, well, I said, I, I said, 
well, it would be nice for me to try and understand what you're talking about. I said, but coming from your perspective, not being an African, you know, you're, of course, it's not that bad, right? Right. I said, well, guess what? I said, if it wasn't for the struggles of my people going through the civil rights movement and reconstruction and jump and what they had to go through, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. I would be working here. I wouldn't be allowed to work here. I wouldn't be able to allow to shop here, maybe even come into this place. Right. I said, so change is good. Yes. And well, I said, and I hope you're going to enjoy your stay here because, you know, it's it's a wonderful place. And I went into but I, I, I could have just said, okay, but I wanted to make a point to him that what you think is not bad is bad and that you wouldn't even be in a position to have that conversation with me if it wasn't for the struggles of my parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, and so on and so forth. You know, right, right. I'm as far on my South Carolina side, I am like the seventh generation. My kids are the eighth generation to live here in the United States. Okay. Well, before we close. Yes. And, and I, hate, I, I won't say to bring this thing to an end. But, <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm sure we both have other things to do this being Saturday. things must come to an end. Yes. <laughs> but before we close, do you have any advice for other aspiring artists out there? Yes. And I'm going to say this because I know how it was for me. My, my parents were not excited. But my mother, she didn't really care that much. She just wanted us to be happy. And my mother is very well-rounded. But, you know, they came from a generation of get out here, work, get a job, pay your bills. You know, do the right thing, go to church, you know, stay focused on taking care of a family. We are blessed as the next generation, especially in the African-American community, to do basically, we have all more luxuries than before, to kind of go after and pursue our dreams. So one of the things that I know, because my father was just like, oh my God, she wants, first she wanted to be a ballet dancer, now she wants to be an artist, and oh my God, how is she gonna pay her bills? I want to say to all the youth out there and other artists that my artwork, the fine art, is probably the hardest job to get because we're talking about doing what we want and coming up with ways to create to make funds or sell right right but there's so many jobs in the arts in the arts so i've told youth and parents of youth who like artwork don't discourage them support and make sure that they take the classes. They take extra classes. They found out, like myself, my mother put us, she didn't know if we liked art or not. She just put us in an art class, you know, at an art academy where they had all these classes. It was a summer camp, you know, where it was an art summer camp. Find things of interest that completely mold your child into a complete human being and if they go into the direction of art there's so many careers in art that you can pass in art so this is how i'm going to end it and i think this is very important for anyone listening who have youth or people who are in arts you don't have to be a fine artist everything we do live work in our lives has to do with art 
The buildings that we walk into every day, including that house, had to be designed, drawn before it was created. They're called architectural designers and drawings right. and renderings. You have interior decorators who draw. You have fashion designers. Before they sew anything, they have to do designs. They have to recreate those lines through drawings. They have to make patterns through drawings. The tennis shoes that we love to wear. Somebody had to draw those before you put them on your feet. Somebody right. had to create them. You know, now we're doing everything with computers. So there's even drawing on computers. You don't have to have a pencil and pen anymore. You have illustrators, cartoons, the things we love to see. Those are all drawn before they create those things. Okay. It's called concepts. Even on film. I was in a commercial once and they had this storyboard and it was all these drawings of the main scenes that they want to happen before they started working on the film. It's called a storyboard. So, um, even the cars we drive, you know, you just don't have some metal to throw together. People have to draw and engineer and create those wheels, those spinners, all that stuff we like. Right. Those are drawn before they create those wheels and the hubcaps, you know, and things like that. So there's so many different things that we take for granted in the arts that we can do with our creative hands before we sculpt and we're ceramic people and we're making pottery and we're doing printmaking, which is an art form, and silk screening and t-shirts. All of that's art. All of that is art right. that's available to sell. So when you look at the world in a different eye and not take for those things for granted, then you will appreciate the arts. And that's where it stems from. That's it. All right. Thank you. Well, this has been this has been this has been intriguing, very interesting, and all <laughs> everything. And all I want to thank you for for coming on today. And all. Oh, thank you for having me. This has, uh, this been, has been this has been an honor for me. Oh. Yes. Well, I hope your 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 viewers enjoy this. You know. Thank you. I'm sure they will. Great. This is a great. You know, uh, having these type of discussions are great. You know. Yes. Yes. All right, Jay. Well, you enjoy the rest of your day, and um, I, I, I'm gonna get on out of here. Yes, and all hail to the artist. That's right. All right, bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. Before I go, I want to thank once again my wonderfully talented friend, Miss Jay Renee, and um, hopefully I will check out some of her artwork. Um. I don't know if she has anything on display at the music, the local museum or whatever, but I'm gonna put some on um on this this I'm I'm not featuring my podcast also on YouTube, so I will have some of our artwork featured on, on on there with her permission. So that ends my podcast for today. Uh, until next time, may God bless and keep you. I'm out of your peace.